This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. Okay, do you want to hear my big theory on Elden Ring? Of course. I love a big theory about <laughs> Elden Ring. It's a big game. It needs a big theory. Absolutely. Here's my big theory. I think it's Dark Souls re-remastered. Go on. <laughs> I think they went back to the original Dark Souls and they were like, let's reboot it. Let's make a new Dark Souls that kind of restarts the whole lineage of Soulsborne games. I don't know if you want to call it a franchise or whatever. And so they did it. And so they made a game that at its core is just like huge Dark Souls, but it uses stuff from every FromSoft game. And I think that's also why I kind of had a hard time getting into Elden Ring and why I still have some gripes with it, even though I'm like 45 hours in and I absolutely fucking love it. I mean, I can't, I can't argue against the theory. Um, <laughs> there's definitely similarities. Um, I don't know if you found it, but there's one particular NPC I kind of see as a, almost like a fuck you uh, to fandom which I like, and uh, yeah, all the, all, the, all the stuff I like from the other games, I haven't played Sekiro, still haven't done it, yeah. um, is there. The plot's very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not arguing with that theory. Yeah, it was just, it really, really struck me as I was playing it because I realized that, like, I had some of the same gripes with it as I did with the original Dark Souls, and I had my initial few hours of play which was actually i mean that was just such a miserable day i threw out my back shoveling and then like i got a bunch of like bad news from like work stuff and then i was like well at least i get to sit down and play elden ring and then i started playing it and i'm like this is not good i don't like this and i'll still make interesting yeah it, it took me about four hours to get into it And I'll say that I think this game has kind of a weird start. Like, I don't think the start of this game is for everyone in the same... I agree. Yeah, like, I I think especially coming from other FromSoft games, or like, I think Bloodborne has a fantastic start. Yes. I think DS1 has a pretty good start as well. I think it's maybe... Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the best in the series, but I think it's good. DS2, I think, has a... DS2 has maybe my favorite just because, like, the intro cutscene is amazing. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. And it deposits you in this weird place. It's it's very similar to Bloodborne. And then, like... Yeah. You play this game, and, like, the intro cutscene is a slideshow. A beautiful slideshow. Oh, I, I was all about the intro. Um, really? The ridiculous voice, the, the images... Uh, Mainly the ridiculous voice, which I think there are <laughs> elements of this that are absolutely ridiculous, and I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of split on it because, like, I get what they're doing, and I do like it. Once again, I have to say, like, I, I mean, I want to preface it by saying that I love this game, and I think if I was going to give like a 
quick review of Elden Ring and make everybody turn off the episode really fast because that's all they wanted to know. Um, you know, like uh, needle drop style where they just look at the fucking score and they leave. Transition. If I was going to give a quick review of Elden Ring, I would say this. It's basically Elden Ring is to Soulsborne games as White Pony is to Deftones. It's like the standard. It's like the biggest one. It's going to be the one that is easy to point at and say that's the best one even if it's not your personal favorite. So like I don't know yet if this is my favorite FromSoft game and I don't plan to know anytime soon because I can tell I'm going to play this game for like 100 hours. So like I'm not trying to make that decision, but I know from what I've played so far it's like this is the big one and this is the standard and that's a good and a bad thing because like I'm excited for people who jumped in here to go back and play all the Dark Souls games and especially play Bloodborne but they also might find that they don't like some of them because they've oh, been absolutely. spoiled by this game where just everything is right everything yes. is beautiful and everything works you know to to paraphrase uh, Kurt Vonnegut oh boy uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I do think it's interesting how that I've noticed kind of peeking around in, I guess, the depths of, of like FromSoft fan community stuff, how much everyone loves it and how I love it too. And I, I mean, we can get into it, but like I, I also echo that uh, slideshow aside, it took me a minute to get into it. Um, but now I love it and I can't stop playing it. Right. I, I mean, I think it'd be cool if people were like, okay, I'm going to go play Bloodborne after this. Like that, that'd be great. But in terms of mechanics, like there's some cool new stuff. Don't get me wrong, but the general kind of, even though it's open world, I think people who start with this one will be able to get into the other ones just fine and will enjoy them. So yeah, maybe maybe it is maybe it is the white pony of uh, of FromSoft. But I, I do think also that like in hindsight, I don't mind how rough the start was because I do think it was intentional. Like you know, not to sound like you know X number FromSoft Stan over here, but like I do feel like they were intentionally trying to make everybody restart. And like everybody yes. kind of start at the same place so that the only thing you would have over someone who hadn't played any of the other FromSoft games is that you just have your expectations set properly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to have to learn the game, blah, blah, blah. Maybe someone who's going in blind doesn't have that expectation, but that's all like your basic skills are not really going to help you that much. And you have to relearn how to play the game. So I get why they did it the way they did it, even if I was not having fun for a while and I was like kind of pissed and Monica was legit worried. She was like, is this going to be okay if you don't like this game? And I was kind of like, oh, no, I was like, I don't have an answer for you. But luckily it, it all turned around. So I think my kind of trepidation at the beginning of the game was how different it is. Because, yeah, I think I think what you said about this being a reset is dead on because and I'm, I'm going to become like the FromSoft GameStop employee 
get good guy right now. Um, <laughs> cool. Like I started out and I was like, okay, I'm going to like, you go, you like, you start out at kind of the first little area, you meet Santa. It's all cool. Um, and then you go to the first village and it's like, okay, kill these people. Got it. And then I got my magic horse and just decided like, Oh, I'm going to ride up this hill. And there's all these enemies there that normally in these games I would have to fight. And I just kind of rode past them. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this feels like, this feels wrong. Like, this is not the game that I expected. Like, I don't, I'm not about that. But then of course I got to the top of the hill and met the boss who is a great, uh, mechanic in my view of, yeah, go the other way. Um, with, there's yeah. always there's always the go go another way mechanic, but this one was this one was really fun, um, and then then it kind of clicked because I was kind of wandering aimlessly. That's how it goes, but I kind of grew into that rhythm, and it it clicked after a bit of wandering. So I don't know. I, I have kind of a mixed thing with open world games, but this one is at this point very fun now that i've kind of gotten the difference out of it yeah if that makes sense that does make sense i think that and i i said this recently in the last uh patreon episode hey go check out the patreon if you want extra content about whatever we're talking about here right. uh little little plug uh, i talked about it in a recent patreon episode but like I think that this game is very like subversive and it is kind of like mm. dangerous. Dangerous. The thing it's dangerous. Cause like the thing that they're trying to subvert, it's a huge risk. It's dangerous for them. Right. Cause like their whole philosophy to me as someone, you know, as a viewer of the work, it seems that the philosophy was to try and subvert open world games mm. and like, Open world games are now like the standard type of single player video game. Yes. At least in the AAA. In the AAA space, the standard type of single player video game is open world games. They're very tropey. Everything is like very locked in. And so like whenever you try and subvert it, it's a huge risk. And that's like Death Stranding took that risk Mm -hmm. and it paid off partially because it's a great game and partially because people are just ready for that. But you're also going to have people who hate it. There are a lot of people who hate Death Stranding or at least just like don't get it, which is obviously fine, but that's like the risk you take, right? Like the risk you take is that you're going to alienate people who have gotten used to at least a solid decade, probably a bit longer of just picking up a game and understanding how to play it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like we know because we're a bit older that like there were many years where video games were not like that and when you picked up a game you had no idea how it was going to work and you had to learn it yes but then there was a big shift in the like sixth console generation basically where like everybody's controllers started looking roughly the same everyone's 3d controls started being roughly the same and by the end of that generation in the beginning of the seventh it was like a lot of standardization and that's not a bad thing but it does mean that if you just go way back to the drawing board and you're like we're not going to do that it's a huge risk yeah and i think with the open world stuff in elden ring 
the risk largely pays off, but there's also things about the open world stuff that I personally don't love. Like, I think that, so the sense of exploration because they tell you nothing is incredible. Yes. And, and especially cause they, they kill the UI for like the whole time that you're just vibing. There's no UI, which I, which I love. Yes. I, I do too. And it's especially nice that like you're a button press away from like pulling it back up to check something if you need to, but then it just goes away again. Mm-hmm. Like chef's kiss. Like that's what I want in pretty. Cause like, I don't know a lot. There's like a couple of years ago. I think it was actually probably when breath of the wild came out that there are all these like think pieces that were like, you should just play games with the UI off. And it's like, well, I get the sentiment, but also like, I play game need no numbers. So like this is like the perfect UI in my opinion. It's great. Um, no clutter. It's there when you need it as it should be. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and you get that full screen, gorgeous world all of the time. Um, there's no collectible stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing people who've listened to this have seen the like Ubisoft meme of, yeah UI with like tarnished sense and and all that shit on it like yeah yeah it's great um i and my understanding is they actually killed more of the ui from the network test which was a really good move so yeah i agree um it's wonderful the funny thing too though is that I do feel like they could have taken a little bit from those hacky tropey uh, open world games and I said that in a previous Patreon episode that I was like I feel like sometimes the Dark Souls everything is hard thing does kind of clash with the open world thing and to me those times it's a very specific thing right it's like when you see something and you're like I want to go there I want to do that and then you die because you fall off a cliff oh I've, ne- I've never done that <laughs> yeah dude Get good. Get good. <laughs> you are fully behind the the GameStop counter right now yeah. with like all the tchotchkes around you. Uh, Sing the Sorrow by AFI oh. is like playing in the background. Of course. <laughs> that's like that's what's funny in the last Dark Souls episode we were making all these metal references. Oh, or yeah. like I was like dropping in metal references. Oh, and there's one there's one that like nobody got. Interesting. I think, or there were two. There was one. It was too short, and I told everyone, "You're not going to get it." But it was an Undeath song. Okay. And, uh, Undeath are very popular now. They've yes. like blown up since yes. I did that episode, and deservedly, that band fucking rocks. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, I think they just dropped a new track today, at the day of this recording. I haven't listened to it yet, but new one. Yeah. New Undeath record is going to be. It's going to be good. It will. It will get good. It will get good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's dropping relatively soon, and that's going to be a really great record. But I also dropped in a clip of a uh, Left Hand Path by Entomb. Oh hell yeah! And I was kind of surprised that nobody got that because, like, interesting. I thought I thought that was kind of a, a sacred text <laughs> for. I don't know. I you know. I listen to a lot of metal, but I always say I'm not a metal guy, so I make all these assumptions about, like, metal guys, so maybe they're wrong. Listen to Entombed Gamers. (laughs) Get good at listening to Entombed, you dork. (laughs) 
Um, You're already on the path. Just become a bigger <laughs> nerd. Listen to him too. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like with. Uh, with the open world stuff, what I was saying, it's like you're kind of doing something fun and you're vibing and then you die and then you have to go back and like collect your souls, their souls. Don't email me. Um, and like, you know, it, it's just like sometimes that rhythm kind of interrupts like the fun exploration rhythm. And I was kind of like, I wish they had made the open world stuff even more like binary. Cause like, you know, mm. like there is some, there is some binary stuff in this game. Like for example, your stamina doesn't deplete when you run unless you're in combat. So yes. I was kind of like, man, I, I wish that like, the punishment for death was also like less when you're just exploring. And I guess like Mm. to give people, no, that was like a thought I had and to give people a little bit of my perspective on it. I guess it's like, I get really annoyed when that happens in this game and it makes me not want to explore. And also conversely, I'm having more fun now in the, like, I guess what you might call mid to late game that I just warp everywhere. And it feels like I'm playing late game, dark souls two or dark souls one. Like I'm actually having a bit more fun. Cause like, I kind of like got my fill of the breath of the wild, like exploration stuff. And now I'm just playing dark souls two. And so I, I, you know, as much as I love the exploration of this game, I think that they have made like a legitimate rival to Breath of the Wild, which is kind of the current gold standard for like open world fantasy adventure game. I also feel like the Dark Souls parts of this game are sometimes like more fun in isolation. I get that. I mean, I, I, on the warp point, um, that was the thing that I initially was like, I don't. I don't like this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my AFI record up at GameStop and, and be mad that I can just like I'm in the middle of like the the first dungeon and I can just like go back to the field whenever I want. Like that seems weird, but hmm. now yeah, like I'll I'll get to an area, I'll ride around on my horse, which is really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll find all my my bonfires. Um, they're bonfires. Um, yep. <laughs> don't email either of us. And <laughs> they're bonfires. They're bonfires. They're souls. Um, I don't know what else. I don't know what else you want. But yeah. Um, but then once I find them, like I find myself just warping between them all the time. So I'm kind of doing the same yeah. thing because. Like the exploration is fun. It's like, okay, I'm going to warp to this one and I'm going to ride the other way and find some crazy thing. And I don't need to ride back to it again. Um, right. Because I'm also, because I also know myself and I'm a person who can get stuck in like that aspect of open world games. So I guess on a, on a weird personal selfish note, I like that I don't have to do that. <laughs> I can just like find right. the cool thing. I can go back to it. I can leave it. I know it's there, it's cool, and it works better for me. So just just one person's opinion, but I initially thought it wasn't great, but now I like that aspect a lot. Like the, yeah. uh, like the boss I just beat uh, this morning, um, the fact that I could just warp across the entire map if I wanted to try the boss again, and if it sucked, I could warp back across the entire map and go ride my horse around like it's awesome 
Yeah. I think that the structure of this game is really, really good. And it's clearly something they've learned from making a bunch of games in this style. Yes. That like, you know, it's all well and good to put like a huge progress blocking boss in the world and you know just say okay guys you have to beat this but it's so much more fun when you can just leave and do other stuff yes and like that's the magic of the best from soft games and the fact that it's just the entire structure of this game is amazing especially if you've played sekiro and i know you haven't right. but like in Sekiro, that is the biggest fucking bummer. And that's why I stopped playing Sekiro. I played most of that game, I think. I played a lot of it. It's very good. But I just had to stop because I would just hit these bosses that are just like super insanely brutal. And it's like, I know I can beat this, but it's not fun. Like, yeah. it's not fun to sit here and bang my head against the boss. And I know that maybe for some people who love these games, that's heresy because that is what they like to do. But like, the best of these games let you play how you want to play. Absolutely. Yeah, in multiple ways, Elden Ring has like mastered that, which is why I think it's totally fair to say like this is the best one because the play style in this game is inarguably like the best out of any from soft games. And so that's why like I will say I'm a little bit annoyed with like all the like 10 out of 10 hype because I think that people like they always do are kind of overselling it a bit like there's still a lot of people who just aren't going to be able to play this game or aren't going to get into this game but at the same time it's like i get it because they kind of mastered the thing they've been doing for years and years and it's like pretty amazing to behold if you're a fan at all of this type of game it's like a 12 out of 10 you know for sure um yeah the boss thing i'll uh, on that like i am traditionally someone who in these games likes to beat my head against the wall until I beat the boss. Like, right. that's how I've played them. That's that's the fun. Because the, the jubilation you get when you kill the boss is like second to none. But I still get that here. And yeah. like, you can still have that element, but also it's like, okay, I've tried to kill this thing a few times. I'm going to go ride around the windmills and find whatever's over in the windmills um and that's right. that's great and then i come back and i try it again and it's like a nice little break so um mm. yeah and i think that's great and in terms of the hype like i found the hype really interesting because for, i mean of course it worked on me like i see all these right. 10 out of 10s and everything i'm like oh good like can't <laughs> wait and then I saw a you know a, the small amount of backlash of like why do people like this? The controls are hard. It doesn't give you a quest log. Um, but then I see like a bit later, it's like oh, seventy percent of the people that played this game have overcome that first boss and are still at it. And it's like oh, that's cool. I mean, it's a, it's a divisive work, which I like a divisive work, but right. I think people are getting it and that's cool to see i guess well i think that a lot of that is up to like really really smart design and flexibility because that's like the big thing i've been harping on since i started playing these games is that 
they're not all as flexible as people lead you to believe. Because, like, the whole culture around, like, enjoying FromSoft games, being a FromSoft enjoyer, it does have its own culture. And the whole culture around it is, like, you can do anything in these games. You can equip yourself with two doors and be a door bro and just, like, hit people with doors. Shout out to door bros. (laughs) Shout out to all the door bros in Dark Souls Remastered. Um, But, like... I don't think that's actually true for the average player. And that's part of the reason I really like to talk about these games is because I view myself as like the average player. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. And and like my whole thing with Dark Souls was it was just like, oh, it's it's like Zelda, but grimmer. Cool. And like, so that's like my whole fun with it and so like when you actually sit down and play the games obviously it's very different than that and there's so many different elements of it but the games really are not as flexible for the average player as people make it out to be so like i've said many times it's like i think for the average player it's like sticking to melee depending on the game probably only playing online most of the time like there's all this stuff that you kind of have to do and you sort of have to figure out for yourself or have someone like show you how to do it and there's always going to be like one or two optimal play styles for like 95 percent of people is like kind of how i view a lot of the FromSoft stuff and there's obviously exceptions in there blah 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 but with this game, it's like they realize that and they put in a bunch of features so that it really is like insanely flexible. So like, yes, even when I started playing this game, it was interesting to see that like there were so many things going around, just like every FromSoft game. I've talked about this before. I've actually complained about this before. FromSoft enjoyers are always like, oh man, like, you know, you got to do a dex build. Like you got to do this. Like this is the best scaling and blah, blah, blah. And so when Elden Ring came out, everyone was like, man, there's no like strength scaling weapons. Like there's no reason to do like melee strength build, like blah, blah, blah. And it was so funny because I always do. I just play, I always joke that I play a barbarian because it's just like guy who two hands, who just has like a giant weapon, yeah. right? Because that's how I think these games are the most fun for me. And so when I started playing, I was like, man, you know, people are low key kind of right. Like there's not a lot of strength scaling weapons there's way more deck scaling weapons like there's not a lot of heavy armor i didn't get any heavy armor until no pretty far the armor thing is weird i think they might have to address that at some point where's all the armor in this game yeah i was in my like goofy prisoner suit until like the second legacy dungeon yeah because there's nothing which I mean, with the open world thing, I was like, am I just like missing the part where the armor is like, let me ride around for a while. And then I realized, nope, there's nothing. Yeah, that I I feel like eventually that'll maybe get changed unless it is really a choice. And, you know, it's it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is weird. But like I've got I've got my armor and my my cool stuff now. But yeah, the fact that I couldn't get armor and cool stuff initially like doesn't bother me that much it's just like oh that's i guess that's the game cool yeah for sure but then so like with me i was kind of feeling like oh shit like maybe this build was like a huge mistake and like Mm. i should just get up i should just get up to the boss that after which you can respec and then i'll just like respec but the funny thing is that 
the more I played, two things happened. Number one, I got super into like the combat mechanics and I realized that the changes to the combat mechanics, A, are huge, B, are fucking brilliant, and C, really do make it so that every single play style works. Like if you want to hide behind a shield a lot, it works. If you want to two-hand a weapon and counterattack but not parry, it works. If you want to just only parry or be like a pointy sword guy, like it all works. The magic works. Everything works. Yes. And that was like super crazy. The other thing is that like I realized that some of the builds just have like a long arc on like getting the rewards. So like strength build the early game is fucking brutal like you just get pounded into the ground because everyone has magic everyone is faster than you and you're not even you don't even hit that hard yeah. <laughs> like you're just like man i fucking suck but then once you get over the hump it's like maybe the second or third boss you are just like a god like like i basically got this one weapon that required strength 40 and i was like man i want to use that weapon and so what i started doing was just mostly leveling my strength not exclusively because you have to put stuff in other places but mostly strength and then whenever i had you know materials or extra runes i would start leveling up that weapon and so i just started doing that so by the time i hit strength 40 uh i had this weapon that had like d or c or C, it had C tier uh, strength scaling, and it was like plus nine or some shit. Okay. So I equipped that weapon. I started going around. It's like I murder everybody, and the next boss I had to fight was like a spellcaster who I just murdered. I just absolutely murdered, and now I'm playing the game, and it's like it's really really fun because like the game kicks up in difficulty a lot after that point so i'm not like over leveled i'm not like a god or anything but it is just super fun because like i'm just slicing off chunks of people's health bar and it's like this rocks like the game is still very hard and it's very punishing but i'm just having like a ton of fun so like and that's the other thing too is like i had to learn the combat because like guard counters are like the biggest guard counters are like the coolest thing they've ever done with these games because it basically gives people who aren't good at parrying a parry and especially for strength builds because if you're like two-handing a weapon and you're guarding yes like you can you can now just like take it on the chin and just like one shot the enemy you're fighting which is just like the absolute best it's really fun um it's really fun i mean i i that echoes with me too because i think because i typically play like every other game it's like okay i'm gonna get a big sword and i'm gonna throw fire at people like that's my go-to right. it's fun so when this came yeah. out and they like released all the classes i was like i'm gonna play the intelligence dex guy because i never do that and it was kind of a challenge at the beginning um you start out with like a really nice spell and a good uh like i guess a pointy dex weapon um right but yeah i mean as i've gone through like i found one of like those swords that people are talking about and i was able to use it right away and it's i found like the perfect balance where like a lot of the like small enemies not a not a problem you can just wreck all of them but there's enough difficulty in the game so that it's not 
just like waltzing through wrecking everybody and yes. that's I think where I found the most fun with this one because it's like okay I can explore I feel cool that if I come across like a weird Cthulhu man who spits death at me like I can I can probably deal with it in a way and if I can't that's cool um, right. but it's not like I'm constantly going into areas and just being like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck like I've got that nice open world baseline I've got how I'm going to do it and now it's just a lot of fun um, certainly barriers uh, in progression but I want that so it's cool for sure I think like the big thing I'll keep coming back to is just they balanced everything yes. in this game they balance like literally everything so like okay with with the combat i guess i realized i just started saying things and people might not fully understand what i'm saying but like are we gonna do a spoiler thing on this one uh not yet okay because uh, cool. i want to also talk about that like as a topic because i'm just very confused but yeah yes. i will we'll talk about but like right so with the combat for me personally and i'll say this too that like i'm still playing the game i wanted to do this episode because as i was playing i had so many thoughts and so many ideas and i know i'm gonna be playing this game for so long that i was like yeah i should just do this now while the stuff is fresh and then we might go back and do another one later you know just because like i think that would be fun but like i definitely needed to do one now not for seo trend chasing reasons because i think i'm already late even for that but just for like I'm thinking about all stuff now. It's very fresh. I'd like to do this while it's fresh. But um, and, I mean, I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not a podcaster. If people cannot tell, but uh, <laughs> doing just a big wrap up Elden like one big one big Elden Ring episode would probably suck. Yeah, like, that it is a, it is a game to stagger episodes on. So I think as a non podcaster, you're doing the you're doing the right thing. Um, also it'd be funny if the next episode is just everyone comes in is like this sucks now (laughs) so (laughs) you can't do that if you do the wrap-up so yeah exactly but uh it'll be really funny if uh that happens yeah dude the end game dog shit (laughs) they ruined everything i'm never playing this again yeah (laughs) you're all playing it but don't play it that would kind of be like the ultimate tribute to the original dark souls would be to make the end game horrible <laughs> but no they they're past it yeah, they're better than yeah. that um i hope so yeah so in my i guess like that i say that to say that whatever i say i'm saying from my playthrough and my experience which i've tried to be as you know i think we've been fairly explicit about like how we're playing the game and you know yes. whatever but like in my playthrough the two Well, I guess there's three big balancing things that blew my mind. So number one is guard counters, which for people who don't know, basically these games have always had parrying, which is like if you have a shield, usually um, you can hit the, you know, the button at the right time and you'll deflect an enemy's attack and sort of open them up to a counterattack. If you use heavy weapons, this is pretty much off the table like if you're like a heavy two-hander as far as i know once again don't email me if there's some hidden hack or whatever because i don't care but like if you're you know heavy weapon two-hander 
maybe for example you play a barbarian named chorks like i do you know i'll shout out to my man chorks uh actually an old lady uh we love her um uh like this is basically off the table and so that type of like aggressive defensive play isn't really like in your repertoire but in this game they added guard countering which is basically that if you you know hold the block button as soon as you take damage you can hit the heavy attack button and counter attack for a ton of damage so that's cool but they've also added in the poise bar from sekiro like it's literally just imported from sekiro the only difference is that it's not on screen which initially i thought was kind of annoying because it ended up being a such a huge part of the way that i play because i'm just like I'm just like poise breaker. That's break like it, my break whole it, break it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Initially I thought it was annoying that it's not on screen, but then I was like, it's actually kind of cool. Cause it makes the fights like way more exciting. Like nice. Sekiro, it feels a little too mathematical for me. Cause like you're looking at the poise bar and then you're looking at the health bar and you're like, okay, which do I want to whittle down? Or like, you know, where where am I focusing? How am I going to break this enemy? In this game, it's just a lot more exciting because you know it's like, okay, guard counters break poise, heavy attacks break poise in any form, whether it's normal or jumping or charged. And so you're just kind of like, it's a different type of strategy that's a lot more like visceral and fun. Like it's not as mm-hmm. fast as Sekiro, but it's just a lot more satisfying. It feels a lot more like, fighting you know what i mean then in sekiro sekiro felt like playing tenchu on steroids this game feels like you're in a fight (laughs) you know and like i love those changes because like i said they make it way more satisfying to do a melee build or specifically for me a strength build but they also make the strategic element of the combat just like so so fun and it's just like it's the best combat i've ever experienced in like an action adventure game you know i think i do yeah you know as someone who hasn't played sekiro and having you kind of i've i've like looked a little bit at it i know about the poise bar i heard it was in this one and it was invisible and like hearing that i kind of feel the same way like if i if i had it i would be you know, picking and choosing, be like, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. And uh, I guess the thing for me is, like, whenever I break the poise of something, which with the weapon I'm using now can be pretty easy to do, but, like, if you do it on a boss or something, it's just a fun surprise. Like, that's the thing I like. Like, I'm fighting some huge thing, and all of a sudden it falls down. Great. The huge yeah. thing fell down. I did it. Like that's fun. So not knowing that and getting that fun, that fun surprise every time is uh is has been really fun. And I I will tentatively say that this combat is probably the best. Um prior to this, I'd say Bloodborne had the best combat in my view, but mm-hmm. this has enough elements from all of them that Maybe too early for me to say, but I am really enjoying it. I think the advantage that Bloodborne has is that it's very focused. Like this game to me, the combat is more impressive just because it's not focused and everything works. It's just like, how, how, 
how did they even do this? Like, and that's like something I've seen in a lot of reviews or when people talk about this game, it's like you can switch weapons as many times as you want in this game and they're all awesome. Like you can totally change your play style and build at any point and it all works. That's the thing that blows my mind. But Bloodborne, it's like specific and it's really good. Yeah. I mean, first off, to answer how they got it so good, um, obviously the answer is George R. R. Martin. Um, that's <laughs> that's who did it. Um, but going off of that, and and maybe you were gonna get to this in your in your kind of combat thing, the thing that I love the most are the ashes of war. Yes. Like, okay. I, I had a feeling it was going there because how can you hate this thing? Right. Um, first off, kind of mentioning before, like they let you respect your character in this game. First off, yeah. Like you have to get to it. You have to get like the weird respect beans or whatever. Uh-huh. But you can change your shit to be whatever you want, like multiple times. Right. Which, thinking back to like dark souls like that's almost unfathomable that this company would even do that and right am i gonna do that probably not is it a cool (laughs) thing to include hell yeah like it's super cool and between that and the ashes of war which if people are not familiar it's basically a weapon skill that you can apply to most weapons and change around like whenever you want yeah and it opens up so much fun possibility into the game like i think what it really clicked for me was when uh i found a, a dude who was selling uh you know bootleg ashes of war in, in a cabin you know, on a hill uh-huh. and uh i was able like my favorite one is probably the the one that lets you remove a skill so then right. i i could use my shield I could spray my own blood at enemies with this sword. I could switch it to another sword if I want. Like, it's so customizable, and that allows for so much fun. And even though I'm now playing with a weapon that you cannot change the Ash of War on, it's still cool, and the possibilities are, are really endless. And who knows? I might I might switch off and, and play around with, like, a... You know, blood cane or whatever. Like I can do that anytime, and that combined with the open world and everything just makes for such a fun experience in trying new things. It's I haven't hit anything where, like a, uh, and maybe this is another another episode. Like I'm thinking back to an, a level in Dark Souls Two where you essentially need to do something with a weapon that you typically a lot of people typically don't play with or at least that's how i see it and in this game it's like super easy you can customize whatever you want and it's definitely i would say it leads to probably the most accessible from soft game because yeah everything works every weapon is cool and you can play the way you want and it's i yeah it's great I'm maybe okay after after that whole thing yeah it's the best combat they've done there it is yeah Um, you can do you can do all that stuff yeah and I think it's interesting just like when you when you break it down you're like oh it's got this from this game this from this game this from this game like I think what you're referencing are you talking about the giant in Dark Souls 3 no oh okay Um, 
Maybe uh, maybe I'm alone on this. Uh, I was talking about the Shrine of Amana in Dark Souls 2, where okay. a lot of the, I'd say kind of wisdom on that is like, yeah, get a bow. Because <laughs> those, yeah. those wizards are going to, those wizards are going to kill you. You're going to run off the little narrow path that you can barely see. It's going to suck. Get a bow. And mm. I've done it with a bow. I've done it without a bow. I've gotten good, but I don't, I like, I don't feel like I'm going to run into that here. And I hope I don't because yeah, that sucks. And this doesn't. So yeah, for sure. I just decided to get good at that part, but there is another part uh, in the forge uh, area where I got a bow. Cause there were just too many, knights i was like i need to knock off one of these guys like this is horrible but even like i was thinking of um in dark souls 3 there's a giant you fight that like you pretty much can't beat unless you use an item you get like right before the boss which is this sword that has essentially an ash of war on it that summons like a tornado at him and i remember doing that fight and it's like well this is a cool idea, but why here? Why now? And why required? You know, mm-hmm. like th- that was pretty much my whole thing with that fight. Like, I don't think it's bad. And I, I fucking love Dark Souls three. I'll before Elden Ring. I would always say that, like, I mean, Dark Souls three is a place to start. And it's kind of just like the most solid game in the whole series, you know. But um, now it's Elden Ring, obviously. But uh, <laughs> Uh, like that was just like a cool idea that they put into this game. And I think like from dark souls two, there's a ton of influence for like some of the weirder, like ideas and mechanics, like power stancing and dual wielding that were in that game are like all just imported into this game. And kind of like I said in the dark souls episode, um, when I was talking about dark souls two, I said that previously I'd felt that was the most flexible just because like, they gave you so many options. They give you so many weird things you could do in that game. And once again, they all worked. And that was part of the reason why I was so impressed with dark souls Two. And that is a game where like I would change weapons whenever I felt like, and I changed play styles pretty dramatically, like halfway through, you know, and just like, yeah, just, just to see what would happen. And it worked. And like, that was something that I couldn't do. And I did try, but I couldn't do in DS one, that's something that's just literally not possible in Bloodborne or Sekiro. And even in DS3, I feel like there are moments when it's like, well, this is the way you're going to want to handle this. But like in Elden Ring, they're like, well, let's just take all those ideas and put them in the game and give people a choice, which is an amazing feat to accomplish. But it's also just like, it's such a good idea for this style of game. Like, I think it really is just like the future of this specific style of game, you know? I agree. I mean, Dark Souls 2 was. It was the most flexible. Yeah. And now it's not. And <laughs> now it's um, not. <laughs> not. Not even close. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some headlines around there, around the internet, uh, the dark sphere of the online world. Uh-huh. They're like, this is like a real game changer in in like open world games which is kind of funny because ultimately it's just like we toned it down (laughs) yeah (laughs) we we did some things that old games did and we toned down some of the some of the stuff like yeah it's like okay i mean if that's a game changer like it's it's a positive one but um 
yeah, I, I, I hope that some, I mean, Dark Souls, like for better, for worse, Dark Souls was like a major influence on the games that came after it. Right. I mean, how many, how many like big AAA, like modern genre games, like started incorporating some of that stuff into their mono genre, a lot of them. And I'd love to see more stuff like almost infinite weapon customization or uh, the way that it handles the open world um, through just putting a big ass boss in front of you. And that's like how it tells you not to go somewhere instead of like pick up five dirty Raven feathers counter zero out of five, like all of that stuff. Like, yeah, I hope, I hope it's encountered moving forward because it's all old, but it feels, it does feel fresh in a way. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it feels super fresh. And I think that, like I said, I think it's that subversive element of like, here's a game style you're very familiar with. We're going to flip it on its head. And like, I'm playing another open world game, Dying Light 2, that I don't want to talk too much about because there's going to be an episode on that. And it's going to be really funny because our playthrough was just such a disaster. And like, yeah, in that game, it was literally just like, uh, they just put everything from all of these games in. Like, if you think that, that Ubisoft style Photoshop of Elden ring was anything, try dying light Two. It's like that plus more. Mm, I don't know if I want to. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a wild game. It's, it's, similar to the first one in that we had a lot of fun but it has a lot of problems so but like then you go back to playing elden ring and you're like oh yeah this is the one that's like trying to change how people view these games and putting in a lot of work to make sure that everything works it's like they know they're taking a risk so they put in a lot of effort and I feel like that's once again, to, not to keep bringing up Breath of the Wild, although, yeah, to keep bringing up Breath of the Wild, because it's like the best game of the last decade, probably, you know, and like now we're in a new decade and it's like, well, Elden Ring kind of came out the gate pretty hot with a similar idea, you know, but like that game had a similar vibe where it's like, we know that we're fundamentally reshaping the DNA of one of, if not like the most popular, like single player video game franchises and like we're gonna make sure that it is just slamming like you just turn that game on and you're like hell yeah you know elden ring has a similar idea but it's also much different because it's like not trying to be everything to everyone like it's not as accessible as breath of the wild no anyone who's played a 3d video game before can pick up breath of the wild and have a good ass time elden ring is not that accessible like it's definitely closer to that than like any other FromSoft game for sure. And, but it's, it's not that way at all. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think I said something like it's super accessible or it's the most accessible uh, before. I think it's the most accessible of these, but much to my enjoyment, it's still one of these. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, you might hit that first boss and just say, not for me yeah and that's cool yeah i do feel like though with the okay so i want to talk specifically let me restart that sentence i'm on one today dude i don't know i think i had too much caffeine or something 
which is hard. I have such a high tolerance for caffeine that I really need to mainline it, but I think I did today. Um, My tolerance wanes. Like sometimes I can just drink it all day, and then sometimes it's like I can't function now. Yeah, it it, it took me a, it took me way too long in my life to realize that uh, caffeine sensitivity can be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a problem. So I've yeah. been there. I'm like super badly addicted to it. So I just mm. like slam it and I don't mind being addicted to it. It's fine. Like I'm not taking caffeine pills yet, so I'm okay. <laughs> um, Episode title. <laughs> uh, just like I don't mind being addicted to FromSoft games. It's fine. My life hasn't completely fallen apart yet. So I'm just going to stay the course. That's the spirit skeleton. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of balancing went into the boss fights in this game and it kind of took me by surprise because i did what a lot of people did and it sounds like the same thing that you did where i rode straight to the first boss and got my ass kicked in an extremely upsetting way like not like it normally is in one of these games it was just like oh my god i think it was one hit for me yeah <laughs> well i think i even got i even like lasted a little bit longer than I expected, but then it was just like so fucking brutal. And it did take me back to like Sekiro because Sekiro has a certain way that the bosses move and are programmed that that first boss is very reminiscent of. And I will also say one other criticism I have of this game is that I think that first boss is a little too hard. Like, I think that the second boss feels fucking easy as shit compared to that. Oh, I agree with that for sure. Like, it's not like a major criticism, but I do feel like the first two big bosses should have been swapped. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, because the way I thought about it, and maybe we had a different experience with, with Bloodborne, like, that's the Father Gascoigne boss, like the first boss here. But Father Gascoigne is the second boss in that game. Oh yeah, he is. See, people forget this, man. I almost, I almost, yeah, like I forgot about the first boss because it seemed so inconsequential. Cleric Beast is how you learn how to play the game, though. That's why it's important. Like you forget it because it's not very cool. He's just a big shaggy dragon that is not that hard. You probably beat it in two or three tries, but like. That's how you learn to play the game. That's where you get the confidence to get absolutely destroyed by Father Gascoigne over and over, you know? See, I, yeah, I, I hear that point. And by the way, describing it that way um, as just a big, weird, shaggy dragon makes it sound way cooler than it is. Um, <laughs> I meant so that as a job. diss. I meant that as a diss, but I'll take no, it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a big, angry sheepdog. Uh, real good. Can I say that I... I hate the hair texture on the bosses in that game. It's so gross looking, and I know that's how it's supposed to come off, but it just like makes me want to wash my hands. I hate it. Anyway, continue. I mean, it could be it could be better. Um, <laughs> so that boss, I mean, that is that's true. I I would argue that Father Gascoigne is actually where you learn to play the game. Um, mm. That first boss, like you can get away with. Like if you've played Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2, like you can get away with just using those techniques to beat that first boss. Right. Can you do that with Father Gascoigne? I would say no. So that's really like the choke point for me, which is like Father Gascoigne is the boss that trains you how to play this game. 
and the boss that comes after it, um, Amelia, yes, Amelia, um, way easier in my view. Um, okay. So that's kind of where I saw this. Like after I fought the boss after uh, the first boss here, I was like, oh, that's that's what I figured. That's what that was, and it is. So yeah, for I'm sure. fine with it. Yeah, no, I ultimately I am fine with it, but I feel like a lot of people's frustration with it in my mind was like justified. Oh, sure. I, I'm not going to argue that it's not justified. Like I just, I mean, I was frustrated with it. Yeah. I really uh, beat my head against the wall on that thing, but yeah, at the same time, like I get why it's there and I kind of appreciate it because it is like a big thing of like, yeah, go explore. Don't play yeah. this like you play Dark Souls. And right. I think that's cool. We're also forgetting about the real first boss in uh, Elder Ring, which is that tree sentinel who's right outside uh-huh. of the opening gate that I'm sure pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of signposting in the beginning of the game that's like, don't fight every enemy, don't rush from boss to boss, go mm-hmm. explore go have fun and i think that kind of gets to part of why i had a hard time with it in the beginning because like i'm fine with that and i think it's cool now but like at the time it was just like what is this game dude and especially just because like i don't love the opening area like my favorite part of the opening area is the weeping peninsula same yeah Love the aesthetics, love the enemies. I love the dungeons and churches there. Like everything about it. there's even a little like cool story thing there. The fort you do there. Like, man, it's so good. I love that area. And it was so weird that you could play for hours before you even thought to go there. Cause like the first way that you get there, or the first way that I got there was this weird jump that did not look like I could make it. And so oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's another way. There's always another way. But like when I finally got there, that's when the game clicked for me. And I thought back to it and it's like, well, why did it just start me off and like kind of, I mean, sorry, this is going to piss people off, but like slightly boring, like normie fantasy land. Like it was like I was in Monty Python and the Holy Grail right at the start with the guys with the fucking horns and the, you know, the the four panel like armor that they're wearing and stuff. And it was just like, and I, I was just like not really feeling it. And then I got over there and I was like, all right, this is my fucking shit. Like, mm-hmm. yes, please more of this. And so I, I do feel like some of that signposting doesn't land in exactly the way they intended it to with me or with someone like me, just because I'm looking for more of a, like, show me something cool right away. That's like, dude, like breath of the wild, man, Breath of the Wild does it so good because like, okay, the start of Breath of the Wild, right? You wake up, you're in a cave, you leave the cave, and you're in a place that looks really beautiful, but it's also like slightly boring. So then you go down and they start, they do a tutorial. It's a tutorial area. It's like purposefully boring. They show you one nice view and then they start kind of boring you immediately. But you do this tutorial, it takes maybe like an hour or something. And then you get the hang glider or whatever it's called and you jump off of that and you're in the world. And that is like the best moment in all of video game history. So like when you're stuck in that tutorial, you're like, 
this kind of blows, right? Like, what the fuck is this? But it's also a Zelda game, so you expect a tutorial. The minute it's over, you're like, holy fucking shit. This is incredible. And it's so tightly programmed. Maybe it doesn't even take an hour. I can't really remember. Maybe it's less. But, like, I feel like this game could have benefited from something a little bit like that. Like, a moment where that happens whereas like i think there isn't a moment like that and once again i'm sure that it was intentional i'm sure there's philosophy and design behind it but it just didn't totally land with me i'll say that much for me like i did watch some of the network test stuff and i think that colored my interpretation on on limgrave because i'd kind of seen it already Mm -hmm. and but yeah i mean much like that game, aside from the hang glider, uh, you wake up in a cave, uh, you do a tutorial, and then you go out into into the world. But yeah, this one's there's a big ass tree. Uh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> there's a boss that will kill you immediately sitting right there. That's yeah. cool in some ways. Um, yeah, but there is no hang glider, and no. there is no wow factor maybe because like i don't know if you watched any reviews of the network test but not really no yeah it is pretty boring i agree with that and like the weeping peninsula i like i wrote up i wrote up past everybody and was like i don't know if i like that i can do this uh got killed rode the other way, and then there's another bridge full of people. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just ride through all these people, too, and just see what's up over here. I'll probably get killed by a boss right away. Nope. Uh, And, yeah, when you come over the hill in the Weeping Peninsula, and there's the the beach and the walking mausoleum and all that stuff, like, that was, like, the big, like, oh, shit, this is amazing moment for me. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, I found, like, the forest full of giant bears and yeah. the pot man stuck in the ground and like all of that fun stuff. And right. I kind of, I was like, Oh, there's more to this than just kind of boring Limgrave. And yeah, that pushed me to uh, get good. So I could uh, <laughs> see, see things that weren't uh boring Limgrave and yeah. Yeah. That worked for me, but yeah, weeping peninsula back yeah holy shit man it's so good and like i think that's one of the strongest things about this game is that it's willing to take really big aesthetic risks with areas and like i think when you play older games in the series they don't really do that like the vibe changes but like the aesthetics never change not a lot of changes in color or anything like that in those games like even when you're like underground in a fiery place, it's just black and red, you know? And like when you play this game, the changes are like extreme. So you go from like the sunny limb grave and then you're over in like the black weeping peninsula. And then later you go to like the fucking red Kaled and like every place that's kind of like a uh, verdant and filled with trees has a slightly different look and color grade to it. And it's just like, man, this is awesome. Like, that's something that Zelda has always done really, really well that I feel like FromSoft games haven't done super well. Like I think 
Bloodborne did it the best, probably. I was going to say Bloodborne did it pretty yeah. well, but this one, this one kicks it up a notch. Yeah, but it's just crazy because like Bloodborne is kind of the only one that really does it, and that's as someone who loves all these games and who loves like the worlds of all these games. There were definitely some moments where it's like, oh, I wish there was a little more variety in just like the visuals, and and this game has it in, in spades for sure. Yeah, like I, I did want to talk a little bit more about like stuff I think that they kind of balanced and evened out in this game. And I was gonna talk about bosses, but before I talk about that, I guess like we should talk about the open world stuff because I do feel like kind of like we touched on it earlier, that is a huge way to balance this game. And it feels like a lot of the upgrade systems are built around the fact that you can go and explore and do stuff as much as you want. So like you can just leave the main quest entirely for like dozens of hours or just never come back and you actually get rewarded for doing that. Like that that's something that's been floating in the either that I've never really agreed with is that people are like, oh, you just need to get good. Like armor doesn't matter. Weapons don't matter. The upgrade systems are all lies or, or whatever bullshit people say about these games. Like. I've always felt that like leveling is important and all that kind of stuff. But in this game, I never really felt like I was grinding or I never had to grind. If I was under leveled, I could just go do stuff because there's so fucking much to do in this game. I mean, there's tons of dungeons and mines and optional things to explore that actually have mini bosses at the end and that are filled with important items to help you upgrade your weapons and also filled with, you know, things to kill so you can upgrade your character uh there's you know different side quests to do that'll net you like cool weapons and items there's just like so much shit to do and it like pretty much never felt like oh i need to grind like the only time that i will grind in this game is if i'm really close to a level and i want to try a boss and it's like oh yeah let me just get like five thousand more souls level up and then just go into this boss with like a clean slate but in terms of actually playing the game i have yet to hit something where i'm like i'm under level i need to grind it's like uh i may be under leveled for this let me just go like have fun for a few hours yeah and then like come back and do my homework i guess we have come a long way from uh endlessly stabbing rats in the catacombs <laughs> in uh dark souls one um, yeah for it, sure i mean it's it's grinding but it never feels like grinding yeah and yeah it's great it's like okay this direction sucks let me turn yeah. my horse around and go find something else and it's there waiting for you and usually it's pretty cool yeah um it's like, oh this is tough i'm gonna go over here oh there's a skeleton in a boat yeah cool <laughs> i'll deal with that uh shout yeah. out to the skeleton in a boat uh yeah Shout very out. cool thing um but yeah i mean i also yeah it's like okay i'm gonna try that boss again i'm a thousand or two away from another level i'm gonna go like kill a troll done yeah but that's not frequent and even that's fun you're fighting a yeah. giant troll like it's it's cool so i guess in some ways you are still grinding but it's it never feels like it yeah, the way that the open world changes like leveling or progressing or grinding or however you want to play the game is really awesome because it makes the game more fun, you know. For sure. Um, but it also 
it makes the game more accessible without making it easier. I think that's been a big tension in this series as well, or at least in terms of like discussions around this series, is that yes. like people are always kind of like, how do you make it more accessible without making it easier? And there's a lot of people who conflate those two things, unfortunately, you know, but in this game, they really show how you can make a game more fun and player friendly and accessible without making it easier you know and that's like i think especially because like the thing that really blows my mind with this game is that in a lot of ways it kind of has the same like quest structure or boss like main quest structure as sekiro okay and like because in sekiro basically you go through an area there's a few branching paths and side areas and things but for the most part you're kind of on a straight line you move through the area as you go you fight mini bosses. The mini bosses help you level up. Eventually you get to a main boss. The main boss is unbelievably hard every time. Like if you get into the game enough, some of them aren't that hard. Like there's a couple that you can do without like, you know, breaking your back. But generally speaking, they range from incredibly hard to unbelievably hard like just like the things you have to do to defeat them are like kind of absurd Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the point of that game the point of that game is there's no customization there is no deviation there is one play style get good or get out basically and so when you come to this game it's interesting because it has a similar structure right like you you have a map you have a bunch of mini bosses you can fight once again the mini bosses help you level up and then it's capped off by a main boss who is usually very very hard Um, like especially that first one like i gotta say i have not found another boss in the game that has given me that much trouble and i've done four or five big bosses like that now and so it's like yeah it's it's pretty unbelievable how hard that first boss is but the fact that there is an open world the fact that there is so much to do and so much to explore and that you never feel like that boss is standing in your way until you're ready to fight him is so cool and once again it makes the game so much more fun and accessible than Sekiro like Sekiro was really just like a beautiful game that at moments could be fun but like the real meat and potatoes of it was just like so frustrating to me personally and like I love what they've done with those ideas in this game because a lot of those ideas are in here but they're just so much more fun to engage with like I just beat one of the like really big bosses uh, today actually and like I kept saying like okay I'm going to beat this thing I'm going to beat this thing but I was yeah, like there were times where I turned on the game and was like, yeah, I'm gonna go do something else. Maybe I'm not ready for it. Maybe I'm just not. I'm just not feeling it. I yeah. just don't want to do that. So I'm gonna warp to this random thing and uh, just ride west and see yeah. see what's up. And that's been really fun. So yeah, hearing that that's kind of the Sekiro structure is really interesting, and it does sound super cool regarding like how they took that and tweaked it in this game to be it sounds like uh more fun 
Yeah, way more fun. Yeah. But yeah, like Lingrave feels a lot like a Sekiro level just because it's smaller and more enclosed and there's like clearly delineated mini bosses. Like you go here, you find the mini boss, and then at the end of it there's a main boss. Like the game opens up a lot more after that, but that first area feel feels very very much like Sekiro. And there's there's like a specific part of Sekiro where you have a few different areas to go and you're facing off against a super tough boss that reminds me a lot of of that area but yeah it's just it's just way better in Elden Ring and it's it's way more fun another interesting thing that I found was like the way that summons work in this game is different than in older games and it also I think helps balance the game a lot because like they've included these new I think they're called Ash Summons, right? The ones that you ding the bell. Yeah. Is that what the, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can never remember what they're called. I, the the ones the ones what you ding the bell to get them to show up. Bell, bell pals. Yeah, bell pals. Well, so in past FromSoft games, there's always been this like push and pull of when do you give people npc summons and when do you just say you're either going to fight the boss solo or summon an actual person from the internet right Mm -hmm. and like i've been a big advocate for hey just summon people from the internet when you want don't beat yourself up too much just like have fun but the interesting thing that I found was that when I played Dark Souls 2, there's a ton of NPC summons. And that was actually really fun because like the NPC summons are never like that good, but they make some of the bosses just a lot more doable. Cause like sometimes you literally just need someone to like draw aggro for a little bit so you can get yes. enough damage in. Or if it's a two uh, a boss that has two enemies like I hate doing those alone I literally refuse to do those alone I'm actually really annoyed that there's a bunch in this game that don't give you um, NPC summons but whatever that's neither here nor there uh, so like in Dark Souls 2 I thought it was really cool how many NPC summons there are because there's a fuck ton of them and I just like really enjoyed that. And in this game, it's interesting that there are still NPC summons. Sometimes there aren't a ton of them in this game, I would say, but what they have included are these little bell summons where you can like summon little pals to come help. You can level them up, but they're still never like super legendary. Like they're kind of just like grunts you can summon, but it's such an interesting concept to me because it makes some of those big boss fights a lot more doable to do solo offline. And I think that is a really cool balancing change to the game. Like it's them acknowledging both that like summoning and online play are like super important to the game, but also that some people just aren't going to do it. Like that was a change to me that kind of blew my mind. It's like, oh, you guys are really thinking about all the angles and understanding once again that there's a bunch of different play styles and they're all valid and that people are going to do them regardless. I, I mean, I, I, I admittedly kind of forget about the the bell pals, the Pokemon's, yeah, um, whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, I when I do remember to use them, like it's super fun. Um, I've got like one or two that are 
like really, really helpful. Even just ones that are clearly designed to just draw aggro. Right. Like you said, like there are some that will fight very aggressively. I like that you can level them up. I like, I like the variety of them. Yeah. Like there's just like the old man wizard that learned how to shoot a pebble and died right away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He draws aggro and it's nice. And then you have another one that has a really big sword that will not stop fighting the boss. And then there's like the jellyfish, which rules. Yeah. Um, big jellyfish enjoyer over here. Yeah, so for sure. It's it's like there's so many fun and like once again, it's like you get all of these choices and ways to play. And yeah, you could you could never touch the Pokemons. You could use the Pokemons all the time. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, you're still getting good and it's great. And as someone who never really like I've been playing more like I played Bloodborne offline, like almost completely. I've yeah. never been a big online person on these, but I feel like the mechanic in Elden Ring is really, really cool. And aside from some messaging things that that happen, uh, I think this game is really, really encouraging you to play online. Yeah, because there's like summoning stuff, like the stuff to make the summon dust or whatever. Like it's everywhere. Um, the main way to get, I guess the humanity equivalent here is to play online. Right. So like if the most farming I've done has been really on bosses, just like helping people and having fun with that and then getting a fun prize and, uh, the messages also, if you rate them, uh, will heal you which is which is fun and annoying at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think the outline component here is really nice. The messages are uh, not aesthetically awful, uh, not as aesthetically awful as like the bloodborne messages. Yeah. And sure. uh, I mean, there's always been incentives for for cooperative play, but this feels like really well integrated and more rewarding, I guess, to me than some of those other ones. Well, I agree with everything you're saying, even as someone who does play mostly online and does a lot of co-op. And like I said, yeah. playing, I've always done that. Cause like my first playthrough of any souls game was DS one offline on the switch and it was miserable and I hated it. Um, yes. So like when I got back into the series, which was playing bloodborne, I was like, well, yeah, I'm just going to play online and then like, you know, co-oping with friends and that was really fun. And then after that, playing DS3 online was awesome because I think DS3 has a lot of great bosses that are just so cool and fun to do with another person. And like none of my friends were playing the game. So I was just only summoning like randos off the internet and it was still just like such a great experience. And like, definitely the most bosses that were just like really satisfying to do with two people like they weren't overly easy they weren't overly hard it was like just right i've mentioned before that i think like the the dancer in that game is like if you get to do that fight with someone who's at about an equal like skill level as you it's like the coolest boss fight maybe in the whole series you know because mm. it's just like 
two people who are doing a good job but also struggling and that boss can really easily pivot from one person to another yes. and it's just like really 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 a cool boss fight um but so i got into there and then i played ds2 which as a default is always online and like man that was such a cool experience and that just that really made me take a hard stance that i was just like you should always be online all the time in these games like you absolutely should be i mean i don't care if you don't like it's your life do whatever the fuck you want man but like if you're asking my opinion on it i think absolutely you should always be online and yeah i think the integration in this game is fantastic it's just another big balancing thing that they've knocked out of the park and uh yeah i think it rocks uh i've really never been tempted even as i have been in other games to go offline you know usually there's one or two times in a playthrough where you're like ah man i kind of wish i was offline once actually in ds2 one time i did have to force offline through steam because i was getting repeatedly invaded by a hacker oh okay yeah and <laughs> that sucked it was like a dude who could just instantly like melt all your armor and i was like this is not cool i was like this isn't real right like this isn't a build i think this is a hacker and that was actually kind of an influence of uh me getting this game i'm playing elder ring on ps4 which i think you also are correct yes yeah yes um i got it on ps4 even though i have a great pc just because i heard about the hacking you know before the game came out and i was like well i play on my work computer so i can't afford to have it bricked you know while i'm riding a fantasy horse through fantasy land like that's just not in the cards for me um but so i got it on ps4 and yeah it's been fun because i can just be online all the time and not worry about it and i haven't found any hackers or anything super weird so yeah it's been great yeah first off the hack thing get good but don't take it that far <laughs> yeah like I, i'll echo that like i can't think of a point in this game where I was like, Oh, I really wish I was offline right now. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the praise, the message stuff, which I think uh, is interesting. It's an, like, that's where I'm saying the negative is because like, yeah. it's been this weird, interesting development that maybe I just didn't notice in some of the other games where it's like, there's strategic like meme jokes in this game everywhere. Every hole has a message. Every, wall has a message and yeah. I hope it dies off. But I mean, I'll also admit like, yeah, if I beat a big boss, I'll put a well done down and yeah. it helps me out. And like, that's a fun one. Like just, just be cool. Don't yeah. ask for praise. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not what you do here. <laughs> but um, yeah. the other thing that I've, noticed is that the invasion tweak I think is really interesting because it's my understanding that you can only invade people who are co-oping. Oh, so like you can deal with it, but I've like, I've never been invaded by a player character when I wasn't co-oping. Oh, you know what? I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how they, how they tweaked it. So like you can still do it, it's fun. Like they've added the get good level to it. Cause it's like, Oh, you want to, you want to be that player. Okay. But you better be the one getting good because there's going to be two of them. Yeah. And you have to deal with both of them. And yeah. I think that's a great way to balance it out while still maintaining that element of the game, which is cool. I mean, there's still, 
you know, people that camp outside of, of boss doors to invade and that's how it goes. But at least you know that it's a possibility and that it's just like a fun, a fun pre-boss fight instead of, Oh, I've got like five more souls before I level up. And then some like dickhead just shows up and bonks me on the head. And now they're gone. Like, yeah, you still get the invasions without the frustration of the invasions. And I think that's, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and I actually, the one, one of the times I got invaded, I haven't been invaded that much, but one of the only times was really cool because I was actually stuck on uh, the boss. That's like a big lion. So that dude, I did it like a couple times and I almost beat him. And then I was like, eh, I'll go do other stuff. And I came back and I tried again and I was like, man, I'm really close, but maybe I'll just try summoning. And so I summoned someone immediately got invaded. Uh, I ended up killing the dude, but the person I summoned died, which is really funny because I was like, oh, well, maybe they weren't actually going to help me with this boss anyway. And then I went in, soloed the boss and beat it. And it was like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay. So like this invasion actually kind of like inspired me to just go do it myself. And it was great, you know? So, yeah, I I think it is. It is definitely a good change. I, I definitely support it. So here's something I've noticed. We haven't done any like spoilery shit. So maybe we just save that for the next one. Um, okay. Because c- we're also, uh, you know, we're getting up there in time here. Sure. Uh, so what I think would be cool to talk about before we go uh, would be just to talk about like the world and the setting of the game and kind of like what you think about that. Because I'm, I'm curious to hear because I've got my... I got my opinions, but, uh, yeah. How did old, how did old George do on this one? I mean, I will say that it's forced me to think about game of Thrones for one of the few times, uh, I've thought about game of Thrones since the show ended. Sure. Um, which I think is an interesting phenomenon because now they're like, I talk to people about that show and they're like, Oh yeah, I haven't thought about it since it ended. Right. And, I mean, none of them are people who name like their kid Khaleesi or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I'd love to talk to those people. Um, but I mean, I'm thinking about it. I mean, it's it's because I know there's I've seen some kind of discourse. Of, like, what did George actually do here? Right. Because everything seems very like standard high fantasy, which I would also expect in some ways from from soft like. There's different lords. They're all crazy. They all have their own little land. They all have their own little soldiers with their crests on. And like, that's cool. But I guess the thing that I think about in terms of the world is how it still leans in. Because I was, I was, there was a minute where I thought about, you know, old George coming in and just laying down like hard narrative. Like, uh-huh. this is the thing which is part of the appeal of these games is that there is not that hard narrative it's like you get an opening cutscene, or in this case a slideshow uh with my boy dung eater in it and uh <laughs> shout out to dung eater right. um, and then it's like okay figure it out right. and that's still there that's still in this game and i'm really glad it is because i guess the, the way that i think about it is I think it I think it really just kind of echoes the worlds that they've already done. Like there's kind of a vague thing. You can read the item descriptions if you want to get more kind of context clues. 
you find lore that you can either be into or not, and it ultimately doesn't matter. Right. Um, I'm more of a lore guy, so I like that sort of thing, and like this way of doing it really appeals to me. But um, in terms of the world, I'm 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 enjoying it. Um, yeah. I feel like spoil. There's some spoilery stuff where like there are areas where I don't want to talk about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can digest what I want and if something doesn't make sense, it's fine. Yeah. But I don't really, I don't really, I don't think I've really hit that point where I'm like, I don't know about that, but that's kind of the design of this. And I think it works really well because yeah, it's not about cutscenes. It's not about all that stuff, but there's such a high level of it there if you choose to look for it. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I love it. Um the world's great, the aesthetics are cool. Um that I've met a bunch of really cool NPCs and I could talk to them again or I cannot. That's how it goes. Um, yeah. The world is sure. your, the world is yours. Uh, interpret <laughs> as you wish. To paraphrase Nas, of course. Yeah. Like I kind of went into it feeling a little bit like, yeah, trepidatious, I guess kind of to quote you from <laughs> earlier, uh, because I don't know anything about George R. R. Martin. I don't like fantasy generally. Uh, I do like dark fantasy, but my kind of gold standard for dark fantasy is like weird 80s shit. Like I'm sure I've talked about before, but like, I really like dark crystal. Um, I like elf elf quest. I like the legend of Zelda. Like that's, I guess you could throw a bone in there too. Cause I think that the comic bone is kind of in that same vein, even though it's from the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's from the nineties. Maybe it started earlier. Throw it in. Who cares? Yeah. We're that throwing counts. it in. Yeah. yeah I, it. I, I really liked bone when I was a kid. It's really cool. But, um, yeah, like those are sort of my gold standards for dark fantasy. Uh, I would not throw something like Game of Thrones, which is, I guess, technically it's low fantasy, uh, is what people call it, not dark sure. fantasy. Yeah. Which I get the distinction because it is more interesting. Like I was a, I was a fan of Record of Lotus War uh, when I was growing up, and that's like a mm-hmm. low fantasy anime uh, slash manga. Um, but I also wouldn't throw Berserk in there, which is really like the big influence on a lot of FromSoft stuff, right? Is yes. Berserk. And I'm seeing, and there's a lot of Berserk in here. There's so much Berserk. Overt Berserk. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm cool with it, but... Yeah, it's and, and I, it's not that I'm not cool with it, but I've said many times before, I'm not a fan of Berserk. Uh, I have my reservations about it. Um, interesting, because like I did a little bit of research going into this game because I was like I had seen how much like Berserk was going to be in it and I, I watched the old Berserk anime when I was a kid um, when you were a kid when I was a kid <laughs> yeah. alright just checking just checking <laughs> yeah no you heard that right yeah okay yeah raised by wolves over here basically no parental supervision for like my whole life uh, anyway um, 
yeah so like i know i know about that show and i guess like as i sort of matured i kind of took a, a more negative stance on that and it was interesting to see that like the the creator uh i guess in his later years said that he kind of regretted like some of the really edgelordy shit that's in like the the earlier volumes of berserk and like i guess there is also like a big split between like people uh commenting on that show between the people who are like it handles its really dark themes well mostly those being like sexual assault some people are like it's handled really well and some people like me are like i don't think it's handled well and there's also just a general tone to some of it that gets like really edgelordy um and that's something that like that's like specifically what the creator was commenting on where he's like i regret like the sexual assault that was in it and i regret like some of that kind of like edgelordiness that's in it because i guess the the whole story changes a lot as it goes on as well oh it does yeah Yeah. i've read most of it and yeah there's some i mean especially some of those earlier volumes there's a lot of i think edgelordy shit is is the way to put it but right i will say it evolves not to say like oh that like fixes some things but um it, it evolves. Uh, I'll yeah. say that's there. And like, I, yeah, that's interesting to hear uh, the creator said that I didn't, I didn't see that bit. Yeah. And it just kind of like gave me a little bit of a different perspective on it because when I started playing this game, I was, well, okay. Right away. Like I said, I don't love the intro. It feels very fantasy. And like I said, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just not a fantasy guy. Like I oh, like the, na- the narrator on this one. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I, it's low fantasy, but I hesitate to even say it. It's, it's so good. <laughs> but that, I mean, it's like so over the top that I was just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, dumb eater. <laughs> like, I, like it does feel a little bit like a South Park sketch, but Yeah. It worked for me. I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to meet the gold mask. Like let's, yeah, sure. I'm in. And like, I think parts of it do work for me in a comedic way. I've said many times in the discord that like, I get such Monty Python vibes from some of the fights. Like anytime a dude pulls out a trumpet to like alert his fellows that I'm there and I kill him mid horn blast. It's like, you know, it's just like that shit is funny as fuck. It's Um, fantastic. I love it. There's like a, a lot of wandering, like almost zombie guys who are still in formation and wearing armor that are just like pure comedy. Like you can ride by and just like push them over and they, die like there is a lot of really funny stuff like that but i i do think so visually the world is beautiful but i also really started to get into the tone and the lore of it the longer i played because what i found to be the really big standout aspect of this wasn't the george r R. martin stuff which side note i did manage to find a real answer to this online oh really yeah so Apparently, from my research, what he did was basically write the backstory of the world. So just like okay. in, just like in pretty much every FromSoft game, you are literal centuries removed from like ages of the past. Uh, yes. 
And so in this game, the lore of the ages past was written by George R. R. Martin, but everything that's in the game from the item descriptions, the story, anything like literally any and everything in the game was not written by him. That was written by the people at FromSoft who write these games. That makes sense, right? Like when you hear that, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Which means like he gave them like a sheet of paper that was like big tree big fight poop man <laughs> and then, like they did the rest like yeah awesome like yeah and what i really like about the world and and story and narrative in this game is just like everything else we've been talking about i do think it kind of cherry picks the best bits of all the other from soft games so like for starters it's another fantasy world fallen into ruin so like there as was they a, do. Yes. as they do. There was a golden age and now we're basically in the dark ages. But the big change that I found, and this is a thing that really reminded me of Berserk, is that this world isn't totally destroyed and you're not completely in the dark ages yet. Like I yeah. think it, it's gotta be like the first from soft game that is like that because you're not in the dystopian horrible future yet you're kind of in a world that's in decline and that's the thing that i love about this world because like you see the kings and the warlords and the knights of old but they're all weird and gross and disgusting and like some of them are that way in a sense that makes them weaker like those guys wandering around the overworld as like these kind of lost soldiers um yeah. like the like the scott walker song from summer, like two ragged soldiers dragging their heels through their fantasy but then you've also got guys like uh, some of the bosses who have grown into these horrible hulking monstrosities that are more powerful than they were in the golden age. And like, man, it's like super beautiful and super poetic. And you've also got this giant golden tree as like a reminder of this like past age that's hanging over the whole world. And I was just like, damn, that shit hits hard. And this is actually a spoiler for you because I know you haven't seen this yet, so I'm not going to. So I won't spoil this is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I'll say this in a way that's like not spoilery. Um, it kind of parallels the like King Vendrick story from Dark Souls 2 where like you're sort of on this quest to find this thing and then you go there and you're like, oh, thing, not what I expected at all. Things suck. That happens in this game in a way that like literally made me go wow out loud. I was like, I was like, oh wow. I love the King Vendrick story. Yes. Um, so now I know it's coming, but I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Um, yeah. There, I, yeah, like it's not a spoiler to know that there's a moment yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Like, okay, I just, no, I, no, you're good. You know, you know, I just had a flashback to like when I was a kid and anytime like my mom and I were reading the same book, which was not all that often, but like anytime we were, she'd be like, oh, how are you liking that book? And I'd be like, oh, it's really good. And she'd be like, oh, did you get to the part where Robert dies? <laughs> it's like, 
mom what the fuck i had, like, I had a roommate like that in college where yeah. if i was if he came in and i was watching a movie he's like is this the movie where the thing happens and it's like i guess <laughs> so yeah. yeah um i don't know i i have mixed feelings on spoilers um yeah yeah that's, Dude. that's totally cool i just i don't okay i like right. like i teach film so right. it's part of the job but also like it's not fun so it's it's kind of a weird weird balance well see my thing is twofold number one i actually kind of like spoilers i've talked about this before but some mm-hmm. of my favorite games including soma and dark souls 2 which are both like top 10 for me like even yeah. this deep into elden ring dark souls 2 is my favorite from soft game uh like both of those games i had the ending spoiled and i still went and play the game because it did not change how amazingly well crafted and impactful the big twists in those games were and like the big narrative beats in those games were it actually enhanced it just because like i knew what it knew i knew why i wanted to to play the game essentially and that was really powerful for me but like in other FromSoft games, they don't have traditional narratives. They don't have traditional concrete narratives. So I, it's funny that we've danced around spoilers this whole episode, but my attitude going in was, I don't even get what's a spoiler in these games. And I'm so sure. confused why everything is like, you know, no spoilers, no spoilers. Like I, I personally don't understand, but I'm just trying to be nice and respectful and chill out. So I decided to do this one, not spoilery. And then we'll do another one where we just go full fucking spoiler on it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just know there are people who are trying to go in blind. Yeah. Too. So like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I want to discuss right now, but like, I, okay, so like I mentioned earlier, like the moment on the Weeping Peninsula where you ride over the hill and there's like the walking mausoleum, the beach full of zombies, like it's gorgeous. Right. And like, I love that I didn't know that was coming. Sure. So like, I've been holding my tongue on a number of things like that, so that people can find see see that sort of thing uh, on their own uh yeah if you haven't seen what i'm talking about go see it because it's great um i yeah. spoiled it for you but uh <laughs> yeah i mean everything else like i think i think a spoiler episode is is fair game the story in the world in elden ring really got to me at moments like that um when it's like they're still doing a ton of narrative work they're still doing a ton of aesthetic work there are so many great moments like i said earlier there isn't one right at the beginning in my opinion that's like breath of the wild but then as you're playing the game you find like 400 amazing (laughs) overlooks and moments where you're Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. oh my god this is so 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 good but yeah even just talking about the lore like i love that it's a world that's still in decline um because i think that's what kind of makes it feel a little bit more like the story in death stranding to me where it's like the power of that story is that like things are impossibly bad like to a degree that you can't fathom it it's like into the realm of like you know sci-fi and fantasy but the world isn't over humanity hasn't died and so you have this like feeling of like i want to keep on keeping on like that's the phrase from that Mm -hmm. game uh 
in this game, weirdly, I get a little bit of that same feeling just because it didn't start with the age of fire is over. You are dead. Fuck you. And that's like how every Dark Souls game starts, which is yes. part of the it's part of the appeal. It's, it's part of the fun. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. awesome. And it's not a criticism, but it's really cool to play a game that doesn't start that way. And that's another thing actually that I feel is taken from Sekiro. Um, you know, cause like in Sekiro, there's this like disease that you okay. can, you can kind of manage like every it's called dragon rot, which is funny. Cause there's scarlet rot in this game. Yeah. Um, and it's similar. Like you meet characters in this game who like have scarlet rot and you can get it. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you can get it. You can give it. Definitely. You, you can do a whole, you can have a whole scarlet rot party if you want, but like you can, you can get it in Ohio. <laughs> for sure. Up that, up that song. But, but yeah, like in, in this game, there's like, or in Sekiro, Dragon Rot was this thing that was happening and you were kind of like fighting to keep the world alive, to keep the people okay. you, your character loved alive. Cause you didn't want them to die of Dragon Rot. And like, uh, yeah, it just gives the game a different feel. It gives it a different energy when it's like okay i'm i'm on a quest you know and i think it's a nice contrast and that's something that once again i think is very berserk influenced because it's like i'm on a quest to save the world but the world fucking sucks yes that's the cool part of berserk like that's the appealing part like yeah are there people who are who go to a berserk and just like don't get it yeah of course it's a piece of art but um yeah, it, this game definitely does have that element to it, and that is enjoyable. And I, I assume because it's a FromSoft game, like there's a way to just completely like destroy the world at the end instead. Sure, but, uh, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, the tarnish thing is like a different thing, but it's like, yeah. Instead, it sounds like it sounds like they've moved on from like you're dead fuck you to you're still alive fuck you and uh <laughs> yeah that's that's a fun place to be yeah well and i think that like i guess to do a little bit of a like story analysis without having mm-hmm. taken in any of the fucking story in this game there you like, go. uh because that's that's what i do that's what us filthy casuals do like I do feel like the high fantasy bits are implemented in a cool way because it it gives it this feeling of like this world had politics and it had class and it Mm -hmm. had like, it had all these things that like we have in the real world. And now that things are falling apart, they're just kind of like magnified because there's essentially like there's, gods and demigods in the game they're like the rulers of the world there's humans who are kind of like the middle class upper middle class and then there's tarnished and like the only way i can read tarnished is as like poor people who have no political power Mm -hmm. and like maybe once again someone is listening like that's a weird fucked up take but like well i'm pretty poor so i'm gonna read it in that way i mean 
is it a fucked up take? Like read a book, dude. Like, <laughs> what do you think? Like, yeah. But I, I just think it's super interesting because it feels like a lot more like grounded. And that take was a lot more obvious to me because the world is grounded. And like I said, it has things like politics and it has things yes. like, like class and Kings and rulers. Whereas like, there's no other FromSoft game like that. Once again, Sekiro a bit because it is set in a place that had realistic politics. Like nothing about this that world is realistic except it's like <laughs> feudal Japanese hierarchy. So like, yeah. you know, like you're a retainer to a child lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's like immediately you're like, yeah, that's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> like my boss is already didn't write that one. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. My boss is eight by George R. R. Martin, a choose your own adventure novel. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think that's really cool. Cause I, then I'll, I'm just picture, I'm just picturing that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I can totally picture it because it's totally something he'd do. Yeah, I'll Photoshop it for you. Don't worry. Oh, hell yeah. We could have a contest on the Discord. <laughs> yeah, dude. Make the best book cover for that book. Um, you can. Yeah, I'll buy you a copy of Elden Ring. <laughs> Actually, I think everyone already has a copy of Elden Ring. I don't know. Yes, I'll, bu- yeah. I'll, I'll, find you a, I'll find you something from the, the Renfest here. I, I just think in the other FromSoft games, like even though they cop so much of that like medieval fantasy aesthetic, it's so weird and outsized that you never think of it in terms of like, okay, these were people. Like nobody reads as people. And it's always like it's truly over at this point. We're here, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's on the steep decline. Right. And like I haven't, I, I think there are areas in the game that you've been that I have not entered yet that may, I'm guessing, kind of illustrate this a bit more. But right, yeah, you still get it. Like there's still there's still students at the at the wizard school. There's still armies running around. They're still yeah. fighting each other. Like they're still humans. Yeah, that's actually yeah. The craziest thing that it took me a second to realize is like, oh, there's humans in this game. There's like <laughs> never humans in FromSoft games, you know? There's people who look like humans, but everyone's some weird fucking thing, basically. You know, and even in like DS1, the most like normal humanoid figure is like a giant, as a giant woman. So you're just immediately like, well, you're not normal. <laughs> you're huge. You know, you're like 30 feet tall. <laughs> like, Right. To be clear, I guess some people hear giant woman and they just think of like a very tall person, but I mean like nope. a giant. Yeah, like an actual it's giant. Giant woman, yes. I don't know. I, I think that is a really interesting way to structure one of these games. That's a really interesting take on like the whole from soft world that I'm like very very into especially the more that I play the game like I'm just getting deeper and deeper into it and I'm like oh I actually want to know what's going on and it's helped because like a lot of the side quests and NPCs and stuff actually are interesting and actually have cool dialogue like it's very yeah. fan it's very fantasy but it's good it's not super corny and i think it's a nice change from all the like oh are you confused (laughs) that we've like gotten like way more than enough of in from soft games although you gotta have some in there yeah for sure you have to have you have to have the highfalutin talking pot like that's how it is 
<laughs> but that's cool. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Yeah. How can you say it wasn't? Yeah. I just like, trust me, I played every FromSoft game in 2021. It totaled something like 400 hours. <laughs> or I played every Soulsborne game, sorry. In 2021, it was something like 400 hours. Someone is going to come for you on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, right? And like by the end of it, I was really tired of, <laughs> I can't tell you what's going on. <laughs> you know, it was just like, all right, dude, I get it. You can't tell me what's going on. I get it. <laughs> 